All right, you are listening to WKNC. This is your host, Abdullah Najjar, and this is Connecting to Pack. I am joined by Helena Rico. Helena is a Spanish student here at North Carolina State University. Uh, she likes to travel. She likes learning more about other cultures. And um, she spent some time in, in South Korea, and now she is in the U.S. I am um, very excited. I'm very excited to be talking to Helena today. And um, without further ado, Helena, welcome to the studio. Hello. Thank you, Bella. So um, you have a very interesting background, Helena. Um, you've, you've studied in Spain, obviously, but you also spent um, some time in South Korea. So... I'm very interested in, 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 in learning about what prompted you to uh, spend some time in South Korea, uh, study there, and um, how, it, how the process started. Why Asia? <laughs> well, I think everything started when I had to choose a major because when you finish school in Spain and you are going to university, it's not like here in the U.S. I don't know if people are familiarized with this, but you need to actually choose something from the first moment and you cannot really change what your major is. So I had to make a very tough decision at 18, which is tough, as I said. <laughs> and what I wanted to do was international studies. I was very focused on that. I really wanted to. But there were no options in my hometown and I couldn't really move to another place back in the day. So the closest thing that I found in my hometown to international studies was Asian studies. Mm. So I wasn't really familiarized with Asia that much. I didn't really know much about it. I was just, you know, this anime manga fan. I really <laughs> liked <laughs> Japanese culture. So I wanted to do like Japanese studies. Yeah. But there was another problem that in my city there were no Japanese studies, only Korean studies. If I wanted to do Japanese studies, I had to move to another city. So my thought was, okay, let's just do Korean studies for a couple of years and then I'll like transfer credits and move to the other city when I can and finish Japanese studies. And I started my Korean studies major knowing nothing about Korea. <laughs> I had no idea what Korean was, where Seoul was on the map. I had literally no idea. Wow. And I started and I loved it. I really loved it. And I decided not to pursue Japanese studies. Wow. And rather stay with Korea. And I got the chance to do my senior year in Seoul. So it was kind of, you know, the, the path that the university marked for us. Asian studies majors. It's kind of the thing that you have to do. Move to Korea at least. Well, Korea or whatever. The country that you're studying. Mm -hmm. At least one year. So... I went originally for one semester, and when I was there, I liked it very, very much, and I extended my stay for another semester. So I ended up leaving my house for a year when I went for three months. Wow, this is fascinating. So, what was what was it like for you um, as a you know you're you're coming from Spain, a European country, and you're moving to Asia, and obviously. It's just an entirely different part of the world, right? Very, very, um, I, I reckon, a different culture. So what was it like for you in, in, in I guess, a, in, in the early days of your journey in, in South Korea? What was something that was like, I guess, 
culturally shocking or culturally significant? Um, I feel like me and my other classmates that went together to Korea had this thing that all the people that I got to meet later on didn't have, that that was a cultural background. We had four years or, well, three years at the time of learning about Korean culture. We knew some things. We had a feeling of how it could be, but still, it was so shocking to get there, especially, you know, we went in COVID time. So the measures were, it was crazy getting to the airport. We got there. There were people in, like, full suits. Um, There was a four-hour line. I was in the airport for, like, four hours. They had to call every single people's, like, quarantine facilities manager to confirm that you actually were going to that place. You couldn't touch anything. You had to go in, like, a special taxi. You had to go in, like, a special ambulance to do the PCR. And I feel like that was the first cultural shock that was, like, this would never happen in Spain. Like, <laughs> you know, every country dealt with the pandemic as they could, but we could have never dealt with it like that. Wow. It's just the amount of, how can I say this? Just the way that they organize things and the smoothness of how it works, that could have never happened in Spain. That really shocked me, like just in the first hour that I was there. This is crazy. So you actually traveled during the first COVID year, 2020? Um, it was, um, yeah, I, I was there in, no, sorry, I was there in 2021, but still wow. the measures were pretty strict in Korea for most of my my time there, yes. This is insane. So, so that means you, probably the, there were many things you weren't perhaps allowed to experience because of these measures and these strict rules and regulations right Mm -hmm. um so what was given that what was your daily routine like i mean (laughs) there must have been some very strict limitations in terms of you know where you get to go what you get to do and all of that so what can you tell me about um this sort of i guess special experience in (laughs) south korea um i feel like and i was a little bit sad about this at first when people would tell me people that had been living there for a long time like how cool being in korea was before and how like limited we were at that moment but i honestly felt like i could do most things i just have to be careful like be you know sanitize your hands wear masks try to not to be in very big amounts of people mm-hmm. but i would say mm, the Worst thing about the pandemic there was not being able to go to university. We had online classes for first semester and like half of the second semester too. Because even though the cases were less, you know, worrying in in other countries in Spain, they were back to normal classes. But they were still some universities, mine included, I went to Chungang University, that they did not go back to normal classes until like maybe... April, I think. Wow. So that was kind of bad. And also sometimes it was, you know, depending on the week, some weeks, the the cases were worse. So we couldn't really hang out in, you know, restaurants in tables of more than four people. Some weeks it was better. So you had to kind of be on top of what was going on. Wow. And you said you actually extended the period of, of your stay in South Korea, even though... You know, at that point in time, there were so many 
I guess, mm-hmm. precautionary measures. So you didn't get the experience, the full experience. Um, with that said, uh, how, what, what was, I guess, um, what, what was, what was it exactly that you really enjoyed about South Korea that pushed you to want to extend your stay? I'd be interested to know more about that. I feel like when you're doing, I don't really know if other people doing the same thing agree with me, but I think when you're doing area studies, mm-hmm. sometimes after a long time studying it in the classroom, you end up learning more being there than being in the classroom. Because I feel like three years in, I had learned most of the things theoretical knowledge that they could give me about South Korea. This is, you know, a reach. I'm obviously never going to learn everything about South Korea. But I feel like being there for, I think I was there for 10 months, was so enriching and I learned so much about the culture, even about the history, just being in the places that I've been learning for three years, just being in like Gyeongbokgung Palace or the Han River, talking to Korean people, <laughs> like actually being in Korea was such a, a crazy learning experience that I feel like if you do whatever studies and you don't go to the place that you're studying about, you're missing out. Wow. It's just impossible to learn that. Right, right. Yeah, you need that sort of knowledge on the ground. You need that sort of interaction with the yeah. people that mm-hmm. you're studying or the country that you're studying, that is. Um so you you said you spent ten months there. I think so, ish. Yeah. Okay. From well, like September to no, sorry, August till July. August till July. Wow. So, in terms of I guess um, uh, cultural, how do I phrase it? Cultural adaptation. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to fully, or to a certain extent, understand? You know, the different, uh, I guess, the different nuances of the Korean culture and, and, and to adapt to it. How, how, how long was that process? <laughs> uh, I feel like you never really end up adapting completely to anything. It's just every day you learn something new. And I feel like us, I mean, us, the people who had been studying Korea and Korean people and Korean culture for years were more prepared to those nuances and the cultural interactions that were going to happen, but still we weren't really prepared to being there and actually experiencing them. But I feel like many people that had no idea about Korea before had a very idealized idea of the country and like the culture, especially from what Korea has been selling for years, the how just, just the projection of the this idealized korea that is selling that's the soft power <laughs> that korea holds and it's a great thing but you cannot go to korea expecting to find that and i feel like many people did and they came there and they were shocked in a very bad way wow and many people were going to stay longer and they came home earlier because mm. korea is a great place i loved being in korea i think visiting korea is awesome i think studying in korea is great i think i would not live in korea for longer than a year now that i've been there for a year (laughs) yeah wow so um share with me and the audience a i guess a funny story about um i guess about you know your cultural immersion you know something that that you would you know look look back something that you know 
you, you probably didn't think it was funny at the time, but now when you look back at it, you're like, oh, that was that was a hilarious encounter. <laughs> mm, I feel like um, many times it was very silly how you would like go to a, I don't know a restaurant, especially like a shop. If there was like an old person there, mm. and you started speaking in Korean to them, I mean, my Korean is not perfect, but I would say you could understand me <laughs> yeah. a little bit. And then you start speaking in Korean, and they were like, look at you. They were listening to you, but they would look at you and they were re- replying broken English. Really? And you were like re- responding in Korean and they were trying to speak to you in English. <laughs> so it was like this impossible conversation because you could not understand their English because yeah. they don't really speak English that well if they're like an old person and you're trying to speak Korean and they don't really, I don't know. It's just very, very strange. And I feel like that is... Um, a way of showing how like Korea kind of has traditionally interacted with foreigners mm-hmm. and I feel like as a foreigner it was very fun and very enriching but it was also had this kind of darker side in the way that this sort of like internalized xenophobia that the country has mm-hmm. not even it's not even racism because Obviously, I'm a white person. It's not going to be racism against me. But I felt like this kind of like, this is us and this is them, the foreigners. And it's kind of like, I don't know, patronizing trees sometimes. The not really wanting to do anything with foreigners. That was, in the end, kind of what made me not want to be in Korea anymore. When I was going home in like late June or I was ready to go home, I think. Yeah, you felt like you've had the full experience and it was, I guess, um, enriching and fulfilling. Oh, yeah. Mm. So um, w- now from South Korea, or I guess from Spain to South Korea to the United States, <laughs> yeah. what was um, what was the transition like, you know, coming from South Korea and then moving back, I guess you moved back to Spain, your home country, and then you moved to the U.S. What was that like, this transition? Um, well, I feel like well, my last months in Korea were went by very fast because I was also working and studying, so everything just went down very, very quickly. And when I found myself back home again, I felt a little bit lost. I feel like the process of going back home after being alone, like, outside for so long it's a little bit challenging but I you know managed to do some things I got certified as a Spanish teacher and I was doing this kind of like gap year mm-hmm. that was also hard because I had been in university for so long that I didn't have now anything to do <laughs> it was kind of like a shock so I was kind of trying to keep myself busy working doing that certification trying to spend the most time I could with my family my friends when I have to move again it felt like I don't know, it just feels more, less, mm, how can I say this? Less life-changing, the first move. I don't know why, even though this is so much more life-changing because I'm doing here like a master's (laughs) and I'm, this is so much more important for my life and my career. But having done the the first move before, I feel like that milestone is already surpassed. And this is just another thing. I didn't feel like I was leaving home with that sadness that I had the first time mm. that I left. Yeah. It's it's as if you've developed a sort of um, 
it's as if you've become accustomed to it. The fact that you, you know, you leave your home country in pursuit of something, I guess, of value outside of, uh, of your home country. I, I think I, w- I would say the same thing about myself, you know, because because mm-hmm. I've spent some time in in Lebanon. Uh, I, I'm I'm from Libya, and then when I was 17, um, I moved out of Libya. I spent some time in Lebanon, and obviously the first the first transition outside of your home country at an early age is is, is definitely at least a, a, a very very strong impact on you, you know. Um, but obviously when, since I've, you know, I've moved to Lebanon for a while and then during that time I had a chance to do an exchange semester in the U S that sort of transition didn't feel that as, as, as impactful, you know? So I I totally understand what you you mean. Um, so the, I, I would love to know more about, I guess, um, adapting to the American culture. Uh, I'm not sure if you've been before, uh, since you know, before the start of your grad school journey, uh, but I'd be interested to know what was it like to adapt to the American culture, and how different is it truly uh, compared to uh, the Spanish culture? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was here before, and that gap year that I had, I came here for like a couple of months to visit my boyfriend, and just to you know check if I actually liked it enough to be here for two years <laughs> doing my masters. Right. Since I had that chance, because I had been saving money and everything, I took it, and I think I don't regret doing that because I got like used to some things that were different, especially you know just moving around the Raleigh area, like the place where I was going to go to school and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm, getting to know that was good for me, and then when I came back now, I'm kind of more no, I know a little bit more where I'm at and everything. Talking about the American culture, I feel like I still don't get and I will never be able to get how they socially interact with each other. I mean, um, Spanish people, we are very like, we are very touchy. We like <laughs> hug people. We greet strangers with two kisses. We, I don't know, we spend hours on, you know, eating in restaurants and talking and shouting. And yeah. we just, I don't know. I feel like the American culture is more individualistic. Yeah. It's less based on family. I cannot understand how how American people can like not talk to their parents that live like I don't know states away every <laughs> single day. Like my mom calls her sisters that live an hour away three times a day every wow. single day. Wow. And it's not it's not <laughs> too crazy. Like I know most people do that in the bonds I feel between people are very strong in cultures as the Spanish one. This is very family based, very people based. Mm. The you know, the the nucleus of your family, of your friend group, of the people that are around you is very, very important. And I feel like American culture, maybe I'm wrong, I don't haven't been here enough to say this for sure. But I feel like people are just spreading it around tending to be more and more individuals rather than you know the family group or the friend group yeah like yeah no i i think i i would i would agree to a certain extent yeah i i c- coming from i guess a country with somewhat of a similar culture you know mm-hmm. we're also pretty much collectivists yeah, right yeah. yeah so you know the arab world you know since i come from libya and i've lived in lebanon 
there is that sense of um, that sort of collectivist sense. You know, we're very much family oriented. We very much appreciate these bonds that, uh, b- uh, between us and um, our, our family and our extended family. Uh, so I, I totally understand what you mean. It's definitely uh, very different, very different culture. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> funny enough, when you mentioned that sort of, I guess, physical proximity or I guess the, I guess the physical contact um, in, in Lebanon, like when you greet someone that, you know, it's always, you know, it comes with like a, like, like an air kiss of some sort, you know? <laughs> so I, I, I understand what you mean. And that's, you know, obviously you wouldn't be able to do that here. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, absolutely not. Like I, when the day we had like the international students orientation, I overheard some guy speaking in a Spanish accent, like Spain, Span- Spanish with an accent from Spain. And I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to him right now. So like, <laughs> turn and i was like are you from spain he was like yes and we like started talking and he was like oh i'm wherever i don't remember his name and like he greeted me with two kisses and there were like people around probably everybody was like what are they <laughs> doing what is this who are these people <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> yeah it's definitely weird when i share uh when i share this with you know some of my american friends you know they, they'd be so surprised to to hear that you know in in different in, in, in Lebanon, for example, like you greet a person that you know with an air kiss, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely it was definitely tough for me when I first showed up from Lebanon to the U.S. to kind of adjust to that. You know, mm-hmm. like when you're building a, a bond with a friend of yours. Um, I, I, back in Lebanon, obviously, you would greet them with an air kiss. But, but, but here, <laughs> you yeah. can't do that. So I was, I, I was treading carefully. Um, so, uh, now, now that you're in the U S and you've been here for, since the beginning of August, I would probably, yeah, or, like a month and well, two months maybe. Oh, almost. okay. Okay. What, what, um, what do you think, uh, are some of the lessons you've learned so far about your experience mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, like something that you something culturally significant perhaps that you've learned about here in the u.s Mm, i think uh just probably i have to give a shout out to american people (laughs) because we have a such a horrible image all over the world i think oh no no. myself i wasn't really you know this image of the american being you know just self-centered and kind of thinking that america is the only thing that exists in the world and everything that's what i thought before yeah. but i americans have proved me wrong i think i i've come here to find the nicest people i've ever met in my life wow. the people who are always willing to help you who greet you with a smile everywhere the service and restaurants is something i've never experienced in my life before it's like i don't know going to a family gathering they're so <laughs> nice and how like hardworking American people are, especially American down people. It's I've seen everybody holding their careers with their part-time jobs, maybe two part-time jobs, three part-time jobs with their school, even like master's degrees with like two jobs or like full-time jobs. And I feel like we have maybe a lot to learn from that and 
get rid of this bias that we have. Maybe they've earned it sometimes, but <laughs> I feel like there's much more of the American people that we know outside of America. And it's very sad because I really have never met such nice and hardworking and good people. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 would, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I see a lot of hardworking um, Americans that truly, uh, that, you know, that, that make you very much that would push you to really admire them. You know, I admire a good work ethic and I see that um, there's definitely a lot to learn, like you said, um, from their, I guess, perseverance and their ability to balance a yeah, lot of different crazy. moving pieces at once. Um, so I, I also pretty much appreciate that. Yeah. Um, in terms of kindness, I, I notice that a lot in restaurants and, and cafes. Awesome. I, I mean, we are nice in Spain, but it's not comparable. Like the nicest person that would serve you in a restaurant in Spain is like low tier here as a server. It's crazy. Yeah, I, it's funny when I go to, I guess, a cafe and then like I'm getting coffee. Uh, and uh, when I'm about to like, when I'm approaching a cashier, you know, sometimes you find this this old lady who would greet you with, uh, hey there, sugar. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. morning, honey. <laughs> like, hello, baby. How are you? I'm like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's really it's really funny. Uh, I, I even, I, I remember contacting, uh, you know, <laughs> my siblings about this, you know, telling them, did you know that whenever I'm, you know, approaching the cashier, there's like an old lady. That's how she would greet you. <laughs> So they were they were really uh, surprised by that, but I I like it. You know they truly value their customers. You know, oh, yeah. customer comes first, and and that's something that I, I mean, obviously yes, you get you do get treated well in, in Lebanon in term you know in Lebanese restaurants or cafes, and obviously in Libya too. But I guess in the U.S. it's it's very very different. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Is there anything you would like to add, Elena, before uh, we wrap things up? Mm, I don't know. I think I just have to say that everything that I've done, I would have never expected it. I, Since I was young, I had many dreams, many crazy dreams, many other not that crazy dreams. I wanted to be like an archaeologist because I was obsessed with Indiana <laughs> Jones when I was a child. <laughs> then I wanted to be a translator in the UN. I guess I'm closer to that now than to the, being an archaeologist. Right. But I feel like if you keep working hard and just follow the path that sometimes opens to you and be brave and take chances, you end up in the place that you were supposed to be and you didn't even know about it. And I want to I think I want to emphasize that for people that maybe are afraid of taking the chance, I would say take it because it's worth it. Wow, it's very wonderful. Well, uh, I want to thank you so much for this wonderful conversation, oh, Elena. Thank you. It was a, an honor having you here. Oh, no, thank you so much for reminding me.